We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. First, I'd like to give a shout out to Axios. Please check uh, sports.axios.com. Axios has got a newsletter. One of our great partners, uh, sports stuff in your inbox every day. But again, this is a Chicago Bulls podcast, and we are talking about the Chicago Bulls season opener. They went to play the Charlotte Hornets. I thought they were going to win by double digits. It looked like at one point they were going to get blown out, and then it looked like they were going to win by double digits. And then they blew it, and they lost 126-125. to 125. Super disappointing loss. Obviously, we've been talking all offseason. We talked about in our season preview pod how excited we were, the optimism surrounding this Bulls team. To come out and lose to this Hornets team, which I think is going to probably be one of the worst teams in the league, starting Terry Rozier, point guard, paying him $60 million. It's pretty brutal, but... Hornets came out and played a heck of a game. They hit a franchise record 23 three-pointers. The Bulls' terrible defense played into that. We will talk about some of that. Uh, Larry, I guess on a good good note, Larry Markin had 35 points. He had 35 and 17 shot really well. There were a few other good positives as well, but there were also obviously plenty of negatives when you lose to a team like the Hornets on opening night. So, Ricky... Give me your your main takeaway here from this disappointing loss. Uh, such a bummer. I wrote a positive piece about the Bulls. <laughs> probably the most that. positive thing I've written about them in years uh, before the game today. And that might as well have just been a signal. It was all going to go up in smoke. <laughs> Lots of blame to go around for this Bulls game. You can start with the defense. Allowing the Hornets to hit 23 three-pointers. Our boy Will Gottlieb on Twitter pointed out that only three teams made 22 or more threes all of last season. Two of them were against the Bulls, and the Bulls are picking up right where they left off last season. The Bulls looked like they had no idea what they were doing in terms of defending the pick and roll. They didn't know if they were switching. They didn't know if they were staying at home. And the Hornets' young guards and forwards were just bombing triples. P.J. Washington, who I loved when he was at Kentucky, he was unreal, man. From the get-go, immediately stretching the floor, hitting big shots. He finishes 7 of 11 from three-point range. Dwayne Bacon hit some big ones late. He had 22 points. And Devontae Graham, I didn't even know he was in the league anymore. Uh, Great career at Kansas, four-year guard, tough two-way college player. He has resurfaced on Charlotte and... 
incredible game tonight. Six of seven from three. Seemed like he couldn't miss. Finishes with 23 points, eight assists. So the defense is the number one culprit for this game. Uh, just unacceptable letting him hit that many threes, not defending the three-point line, giving up 126 to a team that's supposed to be the worst in the league on the onset of the season. Number two person I'm blaming, Zach Levine, is crunch time decision-making. Absolutely atrocious. Levine finishes with 16 points, seven assists, six rebounds, only shoots seven to 17 from the field. This was not an average Zach Levine game. This was a disaster from Zach Levine. He was holding the ball. He was freezing out teammates. He wasn't getting all the way to the rim when he was driving. And he blows the game, basically, in the Bulls' last possession. Bulls down three. Levine drives, gets the layup to make it a one-point game, but there was only 4.5 seconds left. The Bulls didn't have any timeouts, so that essentially iced the game. He also falls down on the ensuing defensive possession when they're trying to foul the Hornets. Charlotte runs out the clock. Bulls lose. I thought, you know, Levine, I've been saying it the last couple podcasts, I like Levine. He's a good player. He's going to have much better games than this one. But if this is your best player, there is a hard ceiling on how good you can be. The next time the Bulls are actually good, I promise you, Zach Levine will not be their best player. Markkanen, who had a great game in this, we'll talk about him too. Um, You know, I think you got to go outside of the organization is what I'm saying here to find your next true star for when the Bulls aren't just hoping to get the eight seed, when they're hoping to actually make meaningful progress in the Eastern Conference. And we'll talk a little bit about Larry Markinen too. Let's start with him, Jason, just so that we have uh, a positive note yep. to begin on. He finishes with 35 points, 17 rebounds. Really loved his effort on the glass. Five offensive boards, 12 defensive. I was a little bit worried about his impact on the glass this year without Robin Lopez. Lopez... Uh, really seemed to benefit Markkinen by boxing guys out, being a selfless team player, letting Markkinen swoop in to get the boards. Markkinen was really out-muscling the Hornets' front court today. He was grabbing contested rebounds. He looked fantastic on the glass. Offensively, finishes with 35 in a game where he shot 1-7 of from three-point range. So I liked his aggressive mindset, a total departure from what we saw out of Markkinen when he struggled in the preseason. Um, what, what, What did you think of Lowry today? Yeah, I think the offense was clearly, they clearly made it a point. They got it through to him. Maybe he was just slow playing it in the preseason to get him going inside the arc. And we saw it from like the very beginning. They were getting him the ball on the move inside the arc. He was aggressive going to the basket. I'm looking at his shot chart right now. He took, like you said, I think it was 13 of 25 overall, only one of seven from three. He was seven of 10 at the rim and then four of six on shots in the paint, not at the rim. So that's 11 of 16 in the paint. 16 paint shots is terrific. He also got to the line 10 times. So one of the, it's, one, we saw the Bulls floundering offensively down the stretch. We mentioned Zach's poor decision-making, and it was it was bad overall. He had an awful game. Really unfortunate after his preseason. But they finally started getting the ball to Lowry again. He got to the line a few times, and they finally started scoring. And the Bulls did not make a basket. But like Levine hit a three with like six and a half minutes to go. That put him up 10. And then that layup you mentioned with 4.5 seconds left, they did not make a single basket in between there. And it was all like Lowry free throws. They just had no, they missed some bunnies, some bad turnovers, but then they finally started to get Lowry the ball again. And he got to the free throw line, made a few really just nice, quick decisions. There was one play where they were doing a little two man game where Zach inbounded to Lowry on like the wing. And they had Zach come around and Lowry made the quick decision to uh, wheel around and drive the basket. He got fouled. That kind of stuff, just the quick, aggressive decisions offensively and doing the stuff inside the paint, off the dribble, it was really great. That, that was a really great sign after the offseason or after the preseason that he had. Obviously, the fact that Zach 
it's out of, we need to get both these guys playing well. We did see that in February, but it was unfortunate that while Lowry was great, Zach was not. But overall, you have to be super, super happy about Lowry's performance. You mentioned the stuff on the on the glass. Defensively, obviously, is a whole other issue. The whole team was bad there. But in terms of offense, and if you th- think of Lowry, can he be a guy who can be your 1A, 1B, whatever? To see him do that other stuff and not just, even when he was uh, did not shoot well from three, that was a really nice thing to see. Yeah, and now we need to return to the reality, which is that the Bulls lost to this Hornets team, which to me, this is like losing to a college team. This is basically the college <laughs> basketball all-stars over the last four years while I've been covering college basketball at SB Nation. All these guys I watched at the NCAA level, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, Cody Zeller, Terry Rozier, Dwayne Bacon, Marvin Williams. He's as old Dude. as I am. I think he's a year older than me. Yeah. Uh, Nick Batum, Monk, Devontae Graham. Those are That was the nine-man rotation tonight for Charlotte. Uh, the Bulls should have had no business losing to this team. This should have been a 1-0 start. I know that weird things can happen the opening day of the season. I know that weird things can happen on the road uh, when the other team's jacked up, but come on, Bulls. After all the positive momentum you built up this offseason, to just see the defense totally collapse like that, uh, to see Levine just you know, piss away the entire game in crunch time. Yeah. It was so bad. I mean, Zach was driving me crazy the way he was playing in the fourth quarter. I mean, he was terrible in the first quarter. The first quarter, (laughs) the first quarter he comes out, he's obviously pressing. It's like he was trying to win the scoring title and lock down his all-star bid on the very first game of the season. I saw someone say that on Twitter. I don't know who it was. So I'm sorry if I'm not giving proper credit there, but he, he just seemed like he was pressing right away from the moment the game began. Yeah, I agree. And then, Later in the game, mental focus just wasn't there. Seems like he wasn't reading the floor. He was kind of pre-deciding yep. what he was going to do with the ball before he even put it on the floor. So uh, Levine, terrible. And, you know, what do you credit the defensive breakdown to, Jason? Because they should have better defenders in the lineup this year with Otto, with Thad. Carter, I thought, made some good rotations late in the game defensively. He yep. had a couple of nice flash plays on that end. Uh, but the pick-and-roll coverage to me was abysmal. They were not closing out hard enough on shooters. The fact that the Hornets got off 44 three-pointers and the Bulls got off 30, I mean, just by the attempts, you're probably going to lose. The Bulls shoot 9-30 to from three. The Hornets make 23 threes on 44 attempts, shooting 52% from three. Totally unacceptable. Now, obviously, most teams aren't going to shoot that well from deep against the Bulls, but, uh, you know, that falls on... Your your head coach, Jim Boylan, who was originally brought in to be the defensive coordinator on Fred Hoiberg's staff, and then it falls on Roy Rogers, who's supposed to be kind of the defensive assistant on this team, I think, as well as working with the big men, and it falls on the players as well. Totally unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, it was just all out of sorts, almost from the beginning. Again, some of it was unlucky, like P.J., uh Devontae Graham and Marvin Williams combined to shoot like 18 of 25 from three. I mean, that's just outrageous. Like that is going to happen once in a blue moon. And of course it happens tonight, but still you, those have those kind of performances can happen if you're just leaving guys wide open. And the, the bulls were just out of sorts scrambling. You mentioned that just not closing out there. The coverages were just all off. And like, there were moments with it. Like there were moments with, where they were good. They had that stretch in the fourth quarter when they built that 10 point lead, uh, Chris Dunn had a few nice steals. Wendell had that really nice rotation and block that led to points on the other end. So you see where they have some good defensive players where they can make plays, but just as a whole, clearly still have a long way to go. It was something I was definitely concerned about coming into the season. And 
and it bit him in the ass in game one. Just, I mean, giving up, I cannot believe they gave up 126 points to this Hornets team. Like, if, if you told me the Bulls were going to put up 125 points, they had an O rating of 120, which is which is really good. So to have that kind of O rating while shooting th- from three so poorly, they, the Bulls had 78 points in the paint. They did they did well offensively despite shooting poorly from three. You tell me they do that and they and that they were going to lose to the Hornets. I mean that's crazy. So to give up 126 just it just can't happen. And I think it was just especially disappointing as well was when they do go up 10. They had all the momentum. They were fired up. They had the defense role and their offense was in a groove like most of the second half. And then to blow that 10-point lead, it just can't happen. It's a long season. I know they got plenty of time to turn things around. Obviously, they're only 0-1, 1-82. But just, when we, again, yeah, we come into the season with all this hype. We're talking up the Bulls. To blow that lead against this team is just, it's just a dagger in the heart. It's brutal. I was watching this game with a bunch of my friends, and everyone kept saying, season's over, 0-82. This was a must-win. But seriously, like, you're playing the Hornets. Beat the Hornets. the Hornets. If you're supposed to make this big leap up this year, and if we're actually supposed to respect you as a basketball franchise, and we're, like, saying good things about the organization, trying to like these players, come on, guys. Just totally unacceptable effort. It starts with Jim Boylan. It starts with Zach Levine, the head coach, the star player. Just not good enough, not prepared for this game, in my opinion, mentally. Uh, just a really, really disappointing effort. And it was from the get-go. I mean, the Bulls were getting blown out in the first quarter. Uh, they had a great third quarter. In the third yeah, quarter, they rallied points. back, scored 40 points, swinging the ball a little bit more. Chris Dunn looked really good off the bench. He played a great offensive game and a really impressive defensive game. He finishes with 11 points on uh five of seven shooting also had four steals i loved what i saw to chris dunn today i thought that thad young you know immediately looks like a great signing 17 points great presence great poise on both ends of the floor great spirit i gotta say that <laughs> spirit and soul spirit and soul off the charts uh yeah we'll, we'll do a quick hit probably on each of these guys but first jason i think that we should go to a commercial break let's do it <clears throat> Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is basically impossible. So that's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and the NFL to cricket and ping pong and then everything else in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. Super simple to sign up, and it's free. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with all your buddies. So join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. Best of all, no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing like that. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. So sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, that is free 99 when you sign up at sports.axios.com. Jason, Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. I'm a short man, Jason. It's hard for me to find clothes that fit, but Indochino is going to hook you up with a suit that fits well, get you feeling well for a wedding, for anything else. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, they make shirts, coats, and more. Everything is made to your exact measurements to ensure that you grade it get a great fit the best part is that it's affordable almost everything they offer is under 400 bucks and the process is simple you choose your fabric you pick any customizations submit your measurements your package is delivered straight to your door in two weeks 
You get measured and get your suit designed at the nearest showroom, or you can do it yourself all online. Blue Wire is offering you a great special with this right now. Start your upgrade today. $30 off your total purchase of $400 or more at Indochino.com. When you enter the code BLUEWIRE at checkout, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $400 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse. Start wearing clothes that fit. And we're back, Cash Considerations, Chicago Bulls podcast, talking about the Bulls' disappointing 126-125 loss to the Charlotte Hornets on the in their season opener. Uh, we were just you were just talking about uh, before the break. Chris Dunn had a really nice game. Uh, I've been very harsh on Chris Dunn. I feel like we've both been kind of harsh on Chris Dunn. Uh, he replaces the starting point guard by Tom, Tomas Sadaransky, who had a really quiet game tonight. Two points, three assists, didn't shoot any threes. Had a few nice plays, but in his 24 minutes, just really didn't do much. Him and Chris Dunn basically split right down the middle, 24 minutes apiece. Uh, yeah, I liked really liked what I saw of Chris Dunn. I feel like the more we've seen this, him in, in the role he had in preseason as well, with some of his defense with the steals, four steals, like that. this is the role that's much better for him, where he can just kind of go all out in 20, 25 minutes per game. Uh, he said 11 points, five of seven shooting, had some really nice finishes around the basket. Finishing has been one of his problems finishing through contact. We saw him get a couple and ones. He did miss the one of the free throws. He did also miss his two, three pointers, but that what's new there, but overall, and he also had no turnover. So him playing this pretty efficient offense, finishing around the basket, no turnovers and wrecking havoc defensively. That's the kind of stuff you want to see. I did look, I was looking at the advanced stats and kind of crazy enough, like the defense with him and the bench on the court was kind of awful, surprisingly. But I feel like individually he did, for the most part, a really nice job doing just harassing the ball handlers, getting deflections, getting steals. So I think this is is the right role for him. And him also along with Kobe White, we really haven't really mentioned Kobe White yet. Uh, Kobe White, a really nice debut. I, I, I really kind of like the Kobe White, Chris Dunn duo off the bench. Uh, Kobe White at 17 points, six of 13 from the field. Uh, only one of four from three, but he also went uh, four of five from the line. I know one of those, uh, three of those free throws were on a foul in the three, uh, on a corner and three pointer. But he also had seven assists. I made I, we, there. It was about a, kind of a punchline in the preseason uh, how he just wouldn't pass. I joked about it at the beginning of the game because he again was kind of just chucking up everything and not passing. But he wound up with seven assists. He played twenty seven minutes, so that's a pretty damn good debut for Kobe White. Seventeen points, seven assists, three rebounds. Uh, he did have a few questionable decisions down the stretch. I think that's when Boylan kind of went away from him when the Bulls went up by 10. I think he missed. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think he missed a shot or two. Not the best decision making, but he's a rookie. That'll come. So, I, But overall, just for his first performance in a real game, I think you really have to like what we saw from Kobe White. It's just a microwave score plus a little playmaking that we really weren't expecting. Yeah, his shot selection isn't going to be no. super great. Now, <laughs> no. he only took three mid-range jumpers in this game, but those weren't good decisions. So those no. were three shots he took between the paint and the arc. Besides for that, he was one of four on threes, and then everything else was at the rim, and he was finishing well at the rim. He He's really aggressive, man. His mindset is score first, score second, score third. But... In a nice change of pace, we actually saw him pass the ball pretty well, which was not the case in the preseason. He had seven assists in this game. I would venture to guess he didn't have seven assists the entire preseason combined. 
I'm not looking up those stats. I'm just going to bullshit <laughs> because it's a podcast. We can do whatever we want. But he passed the ball in this game better than we've seen him pass the ball before. Uh, but, you know, still, this guy's mindset is clearly get buckets. And uh, it's fun to watch, if nothing else. I like his outside shooting touch. I hope that that continues to develop a little bit more. In the My main takeaway about Kobe White, he ain't scared, man. Right away, no. uh, you can see that. So it, impressive debut for him. And, you know, he's already further along than I thought he would be coming into the year. Yeah, absolutely. I we've mentioned it for a while. Like I had very low expectations for coming from him. He might be. I don't. I know PJ Washington making that uh, early bid for rookie of the year with his twenty-seven points or whatever. But Zion hurt for a while now, and Kobe's going to get these shots up. Uh, I mean, he maybe he gets into the mix here for rookie of the year. I don't. Know. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I definitely was not expecting him to first of all play this much and kind of and kind of get buckets like this. I thought he'd be super inefficient. I feel like he'll still probably be mostly inefficient as a rookie, but 17 points and 13 shots in your, in your debut with seven assists, pretty damn good. Uh, you mentioned Thad Young as well before also had 17 points. Just could really just tell the value there with him. He was a plus 12, uh, the second best mark in the team. Otto Porter, who actually did not play very well at all, but he was a plus four. Otto Porter was plus 14, obviously single game plus minus kind of a mess, kind of weird, but I think, I feel like that's kind of a, indicator on just kind of how important Porter is even when he doesn't play well his presence just in the lineup as as your small forward or if they play him up to like plus four because he was plus 14 with Archie Diakono when they tried to go to that smaller three guard lineup when it was I think Kobe yeah. Chris and Archie Diakono Archie Diakono was a minus 11 in his 11 minutes like that's just tough if you're playing bigger teams with bigger wings like Arch tries his ass off but just like when you're playing three guards like that like you really have to kill it offensively because you're probably gonna get torched defensively. He said Arch hit a couple threes, made some hustle plays, but still, like, I just it just it kind of shows the lack of depth there on the wing. We've talked about that; it's a big problem. Hutchinson, Chandlerson, still not ready to go yet. Hopefully, he'll be back soon. But I mean, he's still not that good either. So that's gonna be something to watch. Even when Adam Porter doesn't play well, like I made a joke that he was kind of like the Tony Snell plus minus god from a few years ago, and Tony Snell would score like two points and somehow end up in the plus, but. Obviously, Otto Porter is much better than Tony Snell is, but yeah, even he didn't have a great game, but the Bulls killed it with him on the court. They killed it with Thad Young on the court. I mentioned a plus 12. Uh, really nice game. He even hit three three-pointers, a few above the break threes, and he hit and he banked one in the fourth quarter. When, when he banked that one, I thought the Bulls were for sure on their way to a win, and uh, that kind of fell apart there, but really nice game from Thad Young. The other main uh, offseason acquisition, I kind of mentioned Sadoransky already, was Luke Cornett. He Nothing. was a disaster, yeah. disaster in seven minutes. I think we were kind of expecting a little more from him. He, like I said, he only played seven minutes, zero points, did have four rebounds, a couple offensive rebounds, but zero points, missed all three shots, missed his three-pointer, and he was a minus eight. Kind of, They kind of went away from that really quick, so that was kind of ugly. So definitely a mixed bag for all the uh, all the newcomers today. Uh, and just kind of a mixed bag of performance overall. Yeah, I was disappointed that Sadoransky didn't play a ton in the fourth quarter. They did close with him at the end of the game, but him and Dunn both played 24 minutes. I thought that uh, Boylan went with Dunn for a little too long in the fourth quarter. Granted, Dunn was playing well, but yep. here's the thing about Sadoransky. Like, we all liked that signing, right? The Bulls got a ton of acclaim for the Thomas Edoransky free agent deal. But the number one knock against him from Wizards fans was that he's just a little passive. He's someone yeah. who thinks of himself as a fifth option. We thought the Bulls needed that uh, in their point guard spot with the rest of the starting lineup. But you could see that passiveness, I thought, tonight. Only takes five shots, uh, doesn't take a three. He just like wasn't totally getting involved. Now, he made some really nice passes in the 
beginning of the game. He made one hook pass for a corner three early in the game that I really liked. In general, I want to see more Sadoransky. I'd like to see him on the court more. I'd like to see him, uh, you know, being a little bit more assertive. Of course, that's not really his game, but uh, just a little bit more assertiveness out of Sadoransky, if it happens, I think will be beneficial for this team. Yeah, I mean, he's never going to be a high-usage guy, but de- he needs to be getting more threes, whether it's just whatever, spotting. Uh, most of it's going to be spotting up. He's not going to be out there just launching threes off the dribble. But yeah, one of five only shooting, zero three-pointer taps. He's got to give more than that. I mean, he'll be better for sure. Yeah, when you mentioned like they went with Chris Dunn a little little long, was I think Boylan wanted to reward Dunn because he kind of helped turn the tide of that game in that fourth quarter. So I think he just kind of wanted to keep rolling with him. Uh, and, and yeah, and I think he just kind of waited a little too long because we saw the offensive problems when Levine with when Levine's handling the ball down the stretch and he's and Chris Dunn's standing in the corner. We kind of saw the issues with Dunn there. There was that one possession, which was that that uh, shot clock violation where Levine was kind of pounding the air out and then he drove, but he got caught up in the air. Dunn catches the ball with like two seconds left on the shot clock, didn't realize how much time was left, and there was a shot clock violation. That was just kind of that's, that's been kind of the issue there when those two play together when. Levine's dominating the ball. Dunn just kind of floats around and just isn't really aggressive. That's why I think kind of having Dunn Kobe White works together because they can kind of both do their own thing. Uh, and that's why I feel like Sadoransky is better with Levine. Obviously, Levine in general was just awful today. So I, I didn't even want to put that shot clock violation on Dunn. He should have had better awareness. But when you get the ball in the corner and you're kind of with with one second left in the shot clock, that's that's a tough play. So, yeah, I mean, overall, just, just, a, just kind of weird. I guess... Let's, talk, let's finish up here. Let's talk about Jim Boylan for a bit. So th- there was a whole, whole uh, another kind of just sunshine and rainbows. Jim Boylan feature came out today in The Athletic, our guy Darnell Mayberry, about how the Bulls have bought in on Boylan, how everything is great. He's established this culture. There was this whole anecdote about uh, him and the punch clock that he, the, the time clock that he set up at, at the Advocate Center. They, all the players punching every day, and they're there like 45 minutes early and all this stuff, and they had quotes from all the players about how everything is great now and like the mutiny was nothing and it like the perception of that was way worse than the reality. Screw that, whatever, all that. So the Bulls apparently love Jim Boylan now. They, they're buying in, blah, 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 blah. I feel like we still have to see like how he does in these games. And I thought he did okay. I think the Bulls had some really nice plays uh, out of timeouts that I saw. There were at least two or three, I think, that wound up in either buckets or the free throws. I think you could argue about his substitutions. Uh, you could argue maybe he should have tried to challenge something. I don't have anything off the top of my head, but this challenge system is so freaking weird now. What do you think? I guess what do you think in general about this? The Bulls apparently loving Boylan now. Like, how much do you think that's just kind of preseason puffiness and sunshine and rainbow crap? And what did, what did you see from him in the game tonight? Where are you feeling about his, or how do you feel about his performance? Man, I was writing my story when that one came out, so I didn't <laughs> get a chance to read it until later, and then. After publish, I went back and checked it out, and the punch clock, man. As soon as I saw the punch clock, I'm like, there goes all the optimism. This is just some <laughs> old-school garbage right here. Like, I'm sure my dad would get jacked up. Baby boomers, oh, yeah. baby boomers everywhere are loving that. They don't believe in climate change, and they love punch clocks for their NBA players when they come into practice. Uh, I thought that Boylan was, you know, not good enough because the defense sucked, and... Uh, I thought Sadoransky could have played a few more minutes. I don't know. 
It's like this was a really bad loss in my opinion. You got to win this game now. One thing I want to do on this podcast, Jason, is a segment yes. called The Race for the Eight Seed, where we look at the <laughs> other teams who are also fighting for the least noble goal in the Let's. NBA of getting the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. The Magic, they win their opener against the Cavs. The Bulls play the Cavs on Friday. Uh, Bulls so, play the Grizzlies oh, on Friday. Oh, I'm sorry. The Bulls play the Grizzlies on Friday. The, they play the Cavs early in the season, too, I think, at some point. Uh, and if not, let's just go with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the Bulls played the Grizzlies on Friday, I'm sorry, but the Magic beat the Cavs today, so the Magic won and know. Uh, Markel Fultz, pretty good minutes there for the Magic. He had 12 points. The Pistons behind D-Rose, who dropped, what, 18? Luke Kennard dropped 30. Drummond at 32 and 23. They beat the and that, Pacers. And, yeah, that was without Blake Griffin as well. I figured one, Griffin's going to be out, I think, for at least a week or two, maybe even longer. He's already got lingering hamstring problems and knee problems. I thought... That they would be screwed without him to get to get, get that Canard game is obviously huge. Getting a solid D Rose game, eighteen and nine, six of eleven, two and three, and then obviously Drummond beasting against Miles Turner, who is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Uh, if you look at the Pacers, it looks like I've had we talked about this on an earlier podcast. How kind of down on the Pacers? They're the la- I wrote an article about them, uh, just looking at just kind of previewing their season, looking at their betting odds and stuff. They were still at 46 wins over under without without Oladipo Crazy. for probably at least a month or two. I just don't know if I see that. If you look at their starting lineup, their starting lineup put up pretty good numbers today. All guys in double figures. Sabonis, who just got his extension, 27 and 13. Turner, 25 and 9. Brogdon, 22 points, 11 assists. Their bench sucks right now. Uh, they scored. They had 16 bench points led by Doug McDermott and Edmund Sumner. Aaron Holiday, zero points. TJ Leaf does nothing. Just old friend Justin Holiday, zero points, 15 minutes. I don't know. I mean, the, the Pacers might end up being a team the Bulls are fighting for the. I mean, I guess I don't even know if we should be talking about the eight seed that much considering the Bulls right. are also the Hornets. But I think the Bulls will be better. I'm not panicking about them. But yeah, that's a really nice win for the Pistons. Whoever who who don't have Blake Griffin to go on the road and beat a divisional opponent, a team that uh, is expecting to at least be. They think they're going to be pretty good. That's a really nice win for them. Okay, so the rest of the Bulls' upcoming schedule on Friday, they got the Grizzlies. On Saturday, home opener against the Raptors. On Monday, back on the road against the Knicks. Then they play the Cavs on Wednesday, the Pistons on Friday, the Pacers the Sunday after that. So that's the opening schedule for the Bulls. Uh, A lot of winnable games there. I think the Bulls are going to get destroyed by the Raptors, who looked great last night in their opener. Uh... There's no, there's no stopping that backcourt. They're, they're going to have no answer for, for Siakam. They're going to have no answer for Van Vliet if he's ready to go for Lowry. So uh, that's the Bulls' opening schedule. Hopefully they can beat the Grizzlies on Friday, pick up their first win of the year. Bulls starting on the road, but against some bad teams. Boylan, get your team more prepared to play because this was a game they should have won. In, unacceptable loss, in my opinion. And uh, the Bulls should feel bad after this one. This is a game you had to have. <laughs> Yeah, the Bulls need to beat the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies went on the road and lost by 19 to a Miami Heat team that did not have Jimmy Butler, who missed the debut for personal reasons. The I mean, the Grizzlies have some nice young players, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., but, I mean, that's a team that should be a, another one of the worst teams in the league. But I don't, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I I thought the Bulls were going to win by double digits tonight. I think the Hornets are going to be one of the worst teams in the, leagues and the, in the league, and the Bulls went and lost this game. So I'm not going to go out and say that the Bulls are definitely beating the Grizzlies. They need to go beat the Grizzlies. If they if they start the season with two losses to the Hornets and the Grizzlies, I mean, that is just pure disaster. Again, I know it's super early. Teams go on runs. They get better as the year goes on. But you just can't be losing these games to these bad teams. So look for the Bulls to hopefully 
rebound and beat the Grizzlies on Friday. And then the, hopefully a fun home opener against the Raptors on Saturday. Obviously the Raptors will be a big favorite, but home opener, hopefully a pumped up UC crowd, that new sweet new scoreboard. Maybe the Bulls can surprise us, but yeah. First of all, got to get the Grizzlies on Friday. Can't look past them. Got to beat them. Yeah. Bulls, come prepared to play because you didn't do it this game. <laughs> that game sucked, dude. I'm mad after losing to the Hornets. You got to beat the Hornets. You can't let Dwayne Bacon and Devontae Graham beat you. What is this? Like the ACC De- Big, Devontae Graham. <laughs> Big 12 Challenge. Get out of here, Bulls. That was a trash game. Levine, be better. Boylan, be better. Uh, all that positive Bulls mojo gone after one game but the offense looked good kobe looked good it was a fun entertaining game if nothing else even though you know if you're trying to make the playoffs you gotta beat the hornets all right jason this has been cash considerations i'm done with that uh we'll talk to you guys next week bulls lose the opener bulls lose the opener to the charlotte hornets uh we'll be back next week cash considerations as always, quick shout out though to Blue Wire, Blue Wire Pods, and obviously for us at Cash Considerations, please go rate and review us and all that fun stuff. Yep, Bulls Grizzlies Friday, Bulls are after Saturday. Hope they're better. Take it easy, guys. We'll talk to you later. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.